You guys, welcome to episode 121? 122 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known. Hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It is me, Troy Mahahi. Merry Christmas, gals. I hope it was good to ya. <laughs> um, I can't believe Christmas is already over. I cannot believe we're approaching a new year. I'm actually very excited about it. I'm just, I'm ready for 2019 to be over. 2019... Ugh, 2019 was just a big, giant piece of shit for me. I just did not enjoy. I'm really ready for it to be done. I'm ready for a fresh, clean slate and a new lease on life. <laughs> I'm just over it. But Christmas was good. Um, I So I'm actually celebrating Christmas with my family this coming weekend. But on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, I stayed the night at my friend Megan's house again, who I celebrated Thanksgiving with this year, and uh, I witnessed an engagement. I was kind of a part of it in a passive way. Like, I went with her boyfriend to pick out her engagement ring, and I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't know how, and uh, I was just kind of like along for the ride. But I witnessed my first engagement. It was super, super fun. She cried. She actually cried so much that she started hyperventilating. I couldn't breathe, which is like the greatest reaction. Like she literally had to fall back onto the couch and uh, like take sips of water to catch her breath. That was amazing. Um, And I'm also so I'm doing Rover. I'm a professional dog watcher now. And uh, I had this family's like puppy with me. And I don't know why. Like I just thought it was so funny that this family's dog witnessed an engagement for a family that they'll never know and they'll like never know that that happened unless I text them and I I, I will not um but yeah I mean Christmas was fun uh and also with that being said obviously it was just super crazy with the dogs and uh with I mean just doing Christmas shit I obviously did not have time to record a Beyonce and Jay-Z momento um plus I just felt like you know that deserved more than me just like rushing through it because I'm trying to like deal with the holidays. So I figured we could do something, just kind of have like a nice little palate cleanser. We've had a lot of really, you know, in-depth Jay-Z and Beyonce content for the past like month. So just a little palate cleanser, a nice like, you know, espresso in between this seven course meal that we've had. Um, And we're going to talk about Housewives. I haven't talked about Housewives on the podcast in a while. I have a lot of pent up feelings and aggressions and just things I need to get off my chest and 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 just things. Um, we're gonna talk about Atlanta, OC, and Dallas today uh, because those are currently in rotation or like just ending. Um, and yeah, I'm super super excited about this. Actually, it's it, it's gonna be a nice little just like decompression, and then we'll get back to Beyonce and Jay Z next week, our regularly scheduled program. Um, I wanted this to come out on Christmas, but my thoughts and opinions kept changing. So I was like, wait, I'm going to wait and just release it on Friday like normal. Um, But yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. Uh, Still, I mean, this is so annoying that I keep saying it, but like, you know, I I have to still continue to send me things for the mailbag to smushroompod at gmail.com, like I said, voice notes, emails, text messages, I don't really give a shite, whatever you feel like sending, um, but aside from that, I think we can go ahead and get into it, I wanted to start with Atlanta, because I'm having such conflicting thoughts about Atlanta, I'm so, 
Atlanta is like one of my favorite cities by far, at least top two. I would say top two with uh, with New York. Um, but I just like I don't know if I'm loving whatever the production company that produces this show is like doing to the show. Like it's feeling very like basketball wivesy to me, and like not in a good way, if that makes sense. It's feeling a little bit more. What I'm trying to say passively is that it's feeling more scripted for me, and I don't love that. You know what I mean? I don't love that. Obviously, I I love the show. I'm I'm gonna continue watching. It's my tried and true. It's my everything. But it just feels different. Like I don't know. Let me know if you know what I mean. I could be crazy, but it just feels a little bit different. It almost feels like unrecognizable to me. Um, but I figured we could just kind of like go through the cast of each city and like give thoughts, give thoughts and thanks and condolences. Um, and I wanted to start with Portia because I have the most, the most intense feelings about Portia this year for some reason. Obviously horrible what she's going through right now, especially with it being public. But I'm just like, at the same time, this whole like sob story, it's sad. Of course, she has a baby it's terrible. It is horrible what this man has put her through publicly. But I'm also like, girl, isn't the old saying you lose him how you found him or whatever? Isn't that the old adage? Do you know what I mean? She's having a little bit of a Luann moment. Like, not only did the entire cast warn Portia for an entire year, but so did the public. The man was literally, first of all, the man literally has the names of women he cheated on her with tattooed on his arm and like all over his belly what the are you kidding and based on how the beginning of their relationship played out there's a chance that Portia could have been the other woman to some other woman do you know what I mean who knows and she'll never admit this but like she definitely met him found out the you know he had a little bit of money and a good business he probably fucked her brains out let's be real and she was like Yes, this will be amazing for my story arc on the show. You know what I mean? This will be amazing for this upcoming season of The Real Housewives of uh, Atlanta. Like, for fuck's sake, they had a spinoff show within a year of knowing each other. Like, give me a break. That being said, Portia will always be one of my favorite cast members on the show. And I'll always appreciate the journey of seeing Portia go from this sort of, like, airheaded, submissive, Christian housewife trying to like be something she very clearly isn't to you know fully just letting her go naked hair down (laughs) and like just be becoming the fun like hilarious twerking Portia that we all know and love um I think her journey has been amazing and I'm really enjoying this like Portia Kenya moment that's happening right now I don't know if it'll last I, I, I can't imagine a world in which Portia will be able to stomach Kenya for a long period of time. But it's fun. You know what I mean? It's always fun to see enemies, like, have a year of being friends for the show. It's the it's the best. It's, like, a story as old as time. Um, that being said, I wanted to jump into Nini. Actually, Nini is the one that I have the most conflicting feelings about this season, as you'll as you'll see, uh, <laughs> I've said many, many times, and I will say it again, I think that fame has turned Lanethia Leakes into an obnoxious, self-righteous, egotistical, showboating, just fucking hellion, 
And I think that that actually happened several years ago. To be honest, I'm actually kind of happy to see a season where the cast and production, from the looks of it, don't allow Nini to like bully them into submission. You know what I mean? I have such a complicated relationship with Nini because she's iconic and... I love her from a deep, deep part of my soul that I, I really, I can't even explain. But I also hate who she's become. I hate how self-important she is. I hate that she's gotten to a place where she thinks she's this, like, A-list actor who moonlights as a real housewife. You know what I mean? Like, girl, you were on Glee seven years ago. You were on a, a one-season a one Ryan Murphy show that was like easily probably one of his most unsuccessful if not the most unsuccessful most unsuccessful project he's worked on to date so where's all this coming like i don't understand and by the way that's not even a read like that's just reality like i actually really like the new normal i was shocked that it got canceled so fast but nini isn't even the highest paid housewife on the show candy is for obvious reasons because she's the most accomplished, and she's literally the Bethany of her franchise. Kenya was actually on Wendy Williams recently, like, right before the first, I think it may have been, like, right after this, the first episode aired, and, like, the buzz was, like, you know, that Nini wasn't in the first couple episodes, which we'll get to in a second, but, um, when Wendy asked her about Nini's, like, claims that, you know, they all want to be her, I totally agree with her response. She was like, why would we want to be Nini? Like, if anything, we want to be Candy because Candy's like very wealthy and Nini is not on her level at all. You know what I mean? Candy is the the one in the middle of the group who like holds the most important peach. Candy is that bitch. She's the one who I would say is the most irreplaceable on the show. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Candy in a minute, but like we've seen what this show looks like without Nini and I've said it many times, it it was fine. You know what I mean? And I also think it's very telling that the self-appointed queen of the show can't even show up to a group of a group event without it being weird because she has no friends on the show. And I can't tell you how happy it makes me seeing Portia pay her in absolute fucking dust at Marlo's wig event after what she said about her while she was pregnant. Like it's disgusting. Nini is actually a vile human being, and I don't know when that happened, but she's not the same person that we loved 10 years ago with that red, like, hard front wig. It's She's not that same person. Um, I think Cynthia said it best that in order to be Nini's friend, you have to kiss her ass, and nobody knows that to be true more than Cynthia. She literally lived inside Nini's, like, anal cavity for nine years and I think if I'm being honest with you I think I officially turned on Nini like officially had had it the season Claudia was on because Nini essentially very publicly bullied production into firing her because Claudia read her to complete filth and made her look like a fucking fool on tv and it was amazing I'm not kidding you. I watched the clip of Claudia reading Nini more than any other Real Housewives of Atlanta clip literally ever. And every time I do, I look like that Michelle Visage gif of her snapping. Like, I just live. Um, 
But that pissed me off that we let a perfectly good housewife go, who, by the way, fit into the cast amazingly, was so sharp and funny and quick and smart, so much smarter than so many of the women on the show. But because Nini felt intimidated by her, we had to let her go. I just find it appalling. Speaking of Lanithia's former best friend on the show, we need to talk about Cynthia Bailey Chow. Now we, now we need to talk about Cynthia Bailey Chow. My best friend Katie and I always say um, a housewife's best moment on the show is her, in quotes, I found my voice season, which is a trope perfected by Taylor Armstrong that lives on through city to city. Um, And I think that Cynthia is really feeling her oats right now, and it's fun to watch. I can't say that I can speak for how genuine it's coming across, but... um, I don't know. It's, you know, good for her. You know what I mean? Like, she's removed her head and her wig from Nini's urethra, and she's now seen the world through a different set of eyes. And I do think that that toxic friendship ending is probably one of the best things that's happened to her on the show. Um, And I think she knows it. It's got to be hard having the world make fun of you for being this, like, submissive pet year after year after year. While the woman that you submit to barely respects you enough to even justify your loyalty to her. Like, that's got to be hard, especially, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Now, with that being said, I will say it's a little try hard watching Cynthia try and lean into this, like, bad bitch personality that she's that she's uh, giving us this year. This, like, snap in a Z formation Cynthia. Um, it's a little cringy because it doesn't come off as genuine. But look, I would rather see her pretend to try and be a a badass than fully submit to Nini and just look like a fucking Pomeranian for a year, just like jumping at her feet. It's annoying. I'm, can you tell that I'm really, really, really over Nini? Like I'm really done. I'm really over trying to make excuses for her because she's funny. Nini is so lucky that she's funny because otherwise all of the horrendous things about her personality would shine through, but she's funny And that's why I can't quit her, because she makes me fucking laugh. Um, Can we talk about Mike Hill for a second? (laughs) I really want to be... Look, I want to be happy for Cynthia in this relationship, because she genuinely seems very happy. But at the same time, it's it's very cringy. Like, it's, it's just a very blatant, very desperate attempt to make this a thing. And this, again, is also such a classic housewives trope, like, by the way, perfectly perfected by Bethany Frankel during the happier years of her relationship with Jason. Like, we all know what you want, and that's a spinoff and a wedding special, um, and we understand that, and we're not fools. It's got to be really hard being on the show because the Bravo audience is is so, such a tuned in audience. Like, we're basically, I say this all the time, that we basically help produce the show. As much as Andy wants to say that they don't listen to, you know, feedback and that, you know, the viewers are always loving and hating everybody at once. There's no point listening. We produce this show. And if our demands are loud enough, they will be met. You know what I mean? Um, So when we see something like Cynthia Bailey trying to get the public on board with this relationship so that we, I don't know, are spellbound by it and want to, like, I don't, I trust me, girl. I do not want a wedding special for you and Mike Hill. I don't care. Will I watch? Yes, of course. Bated breath. But will I care? Not really. 
I, I, I'm, I'm happy for you and I'm excited for you, but please don't try and make the, don't try and brand this relationship. I just can't. She will though, because that's Cynthia. You know what I mean? She's like, this is her season of like leaning into her new identity. She's going to brand this relationship. Like they're going to, it's going to be a thing. And, and I, I hate that. <laughs> and, uh, but I'll be watching. Um, let's move on to Candy. What is there to say about Candy Burris aside from everything? She is the glue that holds the show together. She's the thing that keeps these relationships feeling genuine. She's the anchor that the show needs. She's the Greek chorus. Um, I mean, there isn't really a lot to say about Candy's storyline this year. Riley's moving to New York and she's an awkward brat. Um, I don't know. I know kids are supposed to be off limits, but... Riley's like 46. I think Riley's older than me at this point, and I'll just say it. She makes me uncomfortable. That's that is what it is. Riley continues to make me extremely, extremely uncomfortable. She's a sweet girl. I've loved her since she was little. She actually Riley was one of the first housewife housewife kids to make me cry. That season where she was like contemplating. Actually, you know what? It was before she decided to talk to her dad again. But like when she was younger, when Candy used to talk to her about her father and she would say like, I don't need a dad. I have you. She was such a cute kid. Um, she seems like a great gal, but she's just she is an awkward teenager. And she makes me just she makes the hairs on my arms raise and just discomfort. And I bet Candy was exactly like her when she was her age because they're so similar they both have that weird, awkward smile, and they both inflect their voices at weird times. <laughs> like, I just can't. They make me. Candy is so awkward, but she's like an adult, grown-ass businesswoman who has learned how to, like, channel her, channel her awkwardness into, um, like, being endearing. Whereas her daughter is still just, like, very fucking weird because <laughs> she's a teenage girl. Um but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about Candy. She's the glue. She's the Greek chorus. She's everything that the show needs. Um, I want to talk about about Eva. I really genuinely enjoy seeing Eva on the show. I think she's a really great addition, and I enjoy watching her. But I also can't imagine that Mr. Cohen loves seeing her scurry out of the room every time Marlo shows up or every time. She's forced to deal with something uncomfortable. She just runs away from the cameras. I have a theory about Eva that I want to run past you and I want to know what you think about it. And if you think I'm wrong, please let me know. Or if you think I'm right, I'd love that even more. <laughs> I think that Eva is a beta who presents as an alpha. And when it counts, you can see that she isn't really an alpha. She'll read you the house and she's funny and she's quick, but I think that has more to do with the fact that she's just really smart. You know what I mean? Um, I think that Eva is really a teddy bear. I think she's a very afraid of Marlo. I don't think she doesn't want to deal with Marlo, and I don't think it really has anything to do with her pregnancy. I think that Eva would happily read Marlo, pregnant or not. I think she's afraid of her, and I think she's afraid of what Marlo will say to her on camera. I think she's afraid of what receipts Marlo will bring to embarrass her. I don't think Eva likes looking bad on the show. Um, and I also think Marlo, a true alpha, can tell and likes existing in those awkward moments where 
Eva can't run away from her fast enough. I think that Marla loves showing up to a dinner and seeing Eva violently box up her food and like run out of the restaurant because she's scared. I think Marla loves that. And I don't know. I don't feel like I have anything to say about Eva because we've barely seen her. Uh, she just runs away every time she films. And I also think she falls into the category of like wanting to be on the show because it's an amazing platform and the check is nice, but also not really wanting to reveal what's actually going on in her life because of a season that made her look bad, which isn't good. You know what I mean? Because all it does is make people want to dig up more stuff about you and expose you. Whereas, like, if she was just honest about her financial issues or her ex or whatever is going on in her relationship, where she lives, just be honest. Like, poke the poke the balloon. Is that a saying? <laughs> poke the balloon, Eva. Poke the balloon. Um, We have to talk about Kenya Moore, my favorite villain in the history of this franchise. I love her. I love her. I love her. Let me count the ways in which I adore this woman. I've said it a million times. I think that Kenya adds something to this show that is truly undeniable. You know it. I know it. She knows it. We all are very aware of how important and valuable Kenya Moore is to the show. Is she a shady, mean cunt who can't maintain a female friendship to save her fucking life? Duh. Is she extremely smart and quick and funny and endearing in many ways? Uh Uh-huh. And that's the thing that I love about Kenya. She presents such a well-rounded character on the show. You sort of never really know what version of her you're going to get. And that's that's a fun quality to have when you're on a reality show like this. Um, She has some really iconic confessionals. Like, she's just good on the show. And actually, I sympathize with her and what she's going through with her divorce. I, like, genuinely believe that she loved this man. And that's, I think, pretty obvious given the fact that she did, you know, she left the show for him. She was willing to give up the show that she's basically the star of for him. And I also find it very fascinating to see what she's like in her first truly genuine relationship on the show. And I don't count that most recent ex that like punched through her windows because I mean, look, that was like a drive by that should have, I mean, it shouldn't have lasted any longer than an hour. If you know what I mean? Like that was like something absurd. I don't know what she was thinking that she was going to be in a relationship with this. Like, what was he like 20? This like 21 year old boy. She should have allowed him to give her the night of ecstasy that she deserves and then sent him on his way. Like, what were you thinking trying to date a hot headed 21-year-old, I know what you were thinking, girl, we all know what you were thinking, but, you know, you know what I mean, um, but it's just, it's fascinating to see Kenya, like, this, like, as this submissive, like, docile stepford wife, like, I don't, I don't know her, and I, I do think that Kenya came into this season with a very clear understanding of what she needed to do, you know, and that she needed to sort of act as the voice to the voiceless who are afraid of NeNe Leakes, like, I think, Kenya came in with a very Terminator-like quality about her when it came to Nini, where she was just like, I'm after her. I don't give a fuck, I'm after her. I think she watched the show last year and probably 
fantasized about all the stuff she would have said to her while she was sitting on that couch. And by the way, that was the season where Nene refused to speak at the reunion. Um, let's be real. Kenya would have gotten her all the way together. And I'm very excited that in the the case of the people versus Lanethia Leaks, that we have a strong-minded individual uh, representing us. I feel very, very safe and coddled. Now, let's move on to Real Housewives of Orange County. We are right in the midst of a reunion. Um, I just finished part two of the reunion uh, yesterday, so I, it's very fresh in my mind. I want to start with Vicky because unlike some petty executive producers I know whose names rhyme with Shmandy Mohan, I respect my elders. I respect those who walked so I could fly. Listen, I understand why Vicky is so polarizing for people completely. She's obnoxious. She's self-righteous. She doesn't take accountability for anything she does ever. She's grossly conservative, um, but like only in ways that like benefit her and her life. You know what I mean? She's a lot, but she's also been the lead of a reality show for 15 years and has shared her life with us in ways that is actually unprecedented. So I respect her as a reality TV star. And I, I mean, I like seeing Vicky on TV. Like I enjoy, I don't know. I know that it's like, I am in the minority in this, but I still enjoy watching Vicky on the show. And if I'm being honest with you, I don't really fully understand, aside from everything going on with the lawsuit, I don't know if that's it, but I don't really understand why she's been demoted, if not to just make her look like an idiot. She's literally, in every single episode of the season, everything going on revolves around her. Um, I don't know, I just don't really get the point. I think Andy had her... I honestly think that Andy had her sit backstage just to sort of make her squirm around and stew so that she could come out and he could pretend he has no idea why she's upset. You know what I mean? I, by the way, I've turned on Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen's like social climbing, name dropping ass. I think that if Andy Cohen was straight, we would have a completely different opinion on how he manipulates and pins these women against each other pins or pits pins pits poots these women against each other just in like gross ways I think that he's just I think that he's a name droppy gross douchebag like I've really really turned on him I still love him but I I I like we see each other you know what I mean I kind of agree with everything Kathy Griffin has to say about Andy Cohen I believe everything she said about him and I think the way that he, he's obviously hated her for many years. And I think the way that he sort of reveled in her downfall was very telling of who he is. Um, but that's besides the point. That is not what this episode is about. Let's move on to Kelly. I've said this before, I believe, on the podcast. I almost feel like it's, it's like morally inappropriate that Kelly is on the show because she's clearly unhinged. Like, the woman is not stable, and everyone at Bravo has to know it. I both love that she's on the show and hate it at the same time. I think she's amazing TV and sometimes acts as the voice of reason and saying things that the other women won't say 
but we all know to be true. She's the one that kind of lets the air out of the balloon. She pops the balloon. Um, that's a thing now, by the way. I don't know if it was a thing before, but it is now. She actually reminds me a lot of Brandy Glanville in that way. Like, you never really know where to place her. Um, and I, I like that she calls the women out on... Like, one of the things that I've always loved about Brandy was that women like Kyle and Lisa um, and Adrian, who would pretend to be so conservative, right? They would pretend to be so, like, buttoned up and conservative. Like, girl, Kyle, girl, you were raised by Big Kath. And we all know what that means. I read, I know what Big Kath used to make you guys do. She, you were not conservative. You were raised by a woman who gave her daughters like forced sex lessons so that they would know how to please a man by the time they got married. Girl, you are not conservative. You know what I mean? You smoke weed, like enough. So I liked that Brandy was there to kind of like, you know, just pop the balloon. And I do think that Kelly has a lot of those qualities and sort of serves the same purpose in Orange County. Um, I think what the women are doing to her this season is genuinely really gross and screams of desperation. None of them want to be in the hot seat, so they just make Kelly do it because she's an easy target and she's already batshit crazy. She also reminds me a lot of brandy in the sense that as soon as you start rooting for her she says something obscene uh that you can't help but turn your chair and pretend you didn't see you know what i mean like she's the girl at a party that you have fun with but at the same time at certain moments you pretend not to know because you're like eek you know what i mean um and i don't think it's because anything she says is like so evil or horrendous the way that the other women make her out to be it's because and this is just hear me out she's not smart you know what i mean like kelly isn't smart so she low blows them on things like how they look because she can't come up with intelligent reads the woman has i believe truly four marbles just like beating around in her brain i'm not even kidding like, watching her try and string words together in a heated moment is, it's actually painful. I think she has a really, really hard time expressing how she feels. And because of that, she comes up with these very poorly crafted, almost elementary level reads with a bunch of misplaced cuss words strewn throughout. I.e., you fucking pig fucking bitch. <laughs> You know what I mean? You're, you're just like, it's like cringy more so than inappropriate. It's like, ugh, I'm uncomfortable. Um, now look, I understand why you guys hate Tamra Barney. I understand why you want to see Tamra Barney be taken down. And I also understand why some of you want to see her off the show. I get it. But I also know that there's a handful of you who understand why Tamra Barney is also like, beyond necessary on this cast like it just would not work without her i've said it on the podcast many times that tamra's overall character arc on the show where she started versus where she's ended up is one of the most interesting of the entire franchise not just oc of all the housewives but with that being said i also think those early years were so burned and ingrained in people's minds that they have a really hard time forgetting 
about evil, you know, 2007 Tamra. The Tamra that got Gretchen drunk on camera specifically to embarrass her. And the Tamra that was very outwardly jealous of women she deemed to be prettier than her and would try and take them down and humiliate them on cameras for that reason specifically and would do the most malicious, petty shit constantly. Uh, I think the effects were so lasting of that time that no matter what she's involved with now, no matter who she sides with or what part she plays in the drama of the show, she'll always look like the villain somehow, even a lot of times when I think she isn't. Um, I don't think she's done anything in recent years that's so much worse than, like, Vicky, you know what I mean, or some of the other women that have been on the show. I don't. I really don't. She gets caught talking shit a lot behind people's backs, which isn't great, but it's, like, kind of the point of the show. Uh, I mean, aside from that, what I, you know, she talks shit a lot. Like, she makes fun of people. It's not great, but she's funny. <laughs> um, I was also listening, by the way, to Jeff Lewis's XM show, which if you don't listen to Jeff Lewis on XM, it is, I mean, all of the Bravo celebrities on XM are amazing because they share so much more there than they do anywhere else. But Jeff specifically is incredible. I don't know how you feel about Jeff Lewis, but I love his show because for one thing, it's in his contract because of his like firing and his dealings with Bravo that he can only have former castmates on the show. So he can't have current talent, which means he gets all of the Bravo people who are like bitter and angry, who have been fired and and had to quit the show for whatever reason or are desperate to be back on the show. It's amazing. He does all these like high octane interviews. And he recently had Tamra on, or no, he recently was talking about Tamra because Jeff is very close to Shannon and he's really good friends with a lot of the people in OC. So he was talking about how um, he had heard that Tamra actually reached out to production and reached out to Andy before they started filming this season and said, like, look, I want to have a chill season. I don't want to get into anything too crazy. I've paid my dues. Like, I really honestly just want to have a season where I just kind of exist in the background. I, You know, I don't want to be involved in anything. To which, of course, Andy Cohen said, bitch, in your motherfucking dreams. You know what I mean? Now just slide into those white skinny jeans and let's get you in a metallic platform pump and let's get it cracking. You know what I mean? Let's get some drinks, some drinks thrown at dinner. Um, and by the way, it's not to say that I don't see fault in how petty and backstabbing Tamara is, but... I just don't think she's, like, Maleficent. You know what I mean? Like, I don't view her as this, like, evil villain. Um, I'm also, I don't know, I'm known to give excuses for people who are funny. And that's just tea. That is just tea. If you're funny, I'm going to excuse pretty much every terrible thing about you. If you can make me laugh hard enough, like, consider it done. I'd like to move on to Gina because I have some questions for you that I need answered. Because I've gone back and forth on this for like two years now. Can we talk for a quick second? Um, is Gina too young to be on a show where one of her castmates, Vicky, literally has a daughter the same age as her? Is she too young to be a part of this cast? Does she fit in? Or is she just what this show needs? Is it maybe a little bit of both? 
Because for the most part, I think Gina is brilliant casting. She's sort of like, she's sort of positioned herself as the Greek chorus of the show now. The way early Bethany felt. Because she's so, like, she's so immersed in this world. But she also is removed from it enough that she can laugh with us, the viewer. Like, she thinks a lot of this stuff is absurd because she didn't grow up here. She's not, like, a resident. She doesn't, you know, this isn't her world. But she's just sort of living there. Um, And I like that quality about her. Now, at the same time, and this goes for so many of the women that we've talked about today, it does seem to me, and this is not a knock, you know, at all as to, as far as what she's going through or whatever. Like, I, I, it does seem like she really did just have, like, a hell of a year. But it does seem to me that Gina is sort of living in her, like, stalker chanting at the beginning of First Wives Club fantasy, just, like, really wallowing in it. Um, wallowing in her misery, and not only because of the attention that it's giving her, but because marriage drama, as tough as it is, is a really great storyline for the show, and it's a surefire way to engage the audience enough to keep you around. Um, I mean, just for the love of God, ask Shannon Bedore. She's been writing her divorce to hell and back as far as her storyline goes, And I'm not saying that I don't think it's painful. Of course, I believe, you know, that what they're going through, even both of them, for Shannon as well, is terrible. It's humiliating. It's embarrassing, whatever. But I also think that these women are smart enough to know to lean in when trauma like that presents itself. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, that's kind of like all I really have to say about Gina. I think she's great. I think she's funny. Her hair journey has been amazing and very dark. Um, I'm happy to see that she's now embracing her chemical cut she is a very classic I I know that chemical cut I've seen it many many times on many 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 friends of mine um and good for her Uh, a a hard just rock solid white chemical cut not a single hair moves who do we have left Bronwyn of course um again I don't really know where I stand with Bronwyn yet either she is such you know Bronwyn is interesting because she's such typical um, OC casting in the sense that she's made a lasting impression, but you can also totally see the show existing without her there. I mean, easily, um, quite truthfully, we would forget and move on. I think very, very quickly from her if she wasn't around, I don't think people would be like dying for the return of Bronwyn and begging, you know, the network to bring her back. I just don't think people would care. And that's a very classic OC. Like, they cast a lot of women like that who are a part of your lives for a short period. You you like them, you don't like them, whatever. But they don't really make enough of an impact that you just really care either way. I do think she falls into the category of a housewife who would either absolutely fucking kill her second season and learn from all of her previous mistakes or totally drown and have a, a terrible second season where people wonder why she came back in the first place um i can tell you that i i don't think the core audience of people who watch the show enjoy seeing a woman fall into like hand rattling hysterics every time she's confronted about something minute like it's 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 not fun to watch um but she seems to sort of i don't know 
she seems to have sort of found her voice at the reunion, which I guess is nice. Like, she's, like, back-talking people now or whatever. Um, I don't know. I think she's fun. I like seeing her get drunk and do weird shit in, like, VIP booths when they go out. Um, I would actually, I was thinking the other day about how funny it would be to see her out drunk with Camille Donatucci grammar. Can you girls imagine? Ugh. How beautiful would that be? Her and Camille drunk, like, throwing their blonde hair all over the place and and hip thrusting and thigh rubbing and boob licking. I mean, truly, like, they would definitely fuck each other for sure. They would hook up for sure. Um, Sorry, there's a puppy violently, violently drinking water next to me. Okay, we'll ignore that. Um... But don't you have a very clear image in your mind of Camille and uh, Camille and Bronwyn like taking hits of an e-cig when they're drinking, <laughs> and Camille being like, "It's Captain Crunch flavored. Mm, I only do it when I'm drinking cocktails." Mm. Um, who else is there? Emily. Oh my God. Okay, so. It's not to say that I'm riveted by Emily's storyline or personality by any means, but hear me out. And this also may be a crazy thought, but let me know. I feel like there is something about Emily that just feels so old school Real Housewives of Orange County. Am I the only one who gets that vibe? Like she feels very like season five, but like in a good way. I would say that her relationship is one of the hardest ones to watch, obviously, because she really shoves it in our faces and seems to really relish in giving her husband, like, this undeserved benefit of the doubt constantly, you know what I mean? Only to be let down and left to look truly foolish and unloved on camera just night after night. It's got to be tough. It's a dark existence that she lives in. That on top of the arthritis, it's a whole thing. But there's just something about her that feels so old school to me. Like, I don't know, like she would have been on the show in its early years. Um, I think the fact that one of the highlights of her marriage for the year is her husband, like begrudgingly showing up to Vegas and scouring at her while she staggers around on stage with a, fo- a feather boa. Like, I, it, it's just... It's very, very, very sad. He reminds me, actually, of that guy from one of the earlier seasons of Sex and the City that Samantha was hooking up with, but he's, like, tiny, and he gets all of his suits from the little boys' department at Barney's. You know what I mean? Like, I just have this image of him, like, sitting in his chair and kicking his feet with his arms crossed, just anger all the time, being like, hmm! You know what I mean? He's got very, hmm, energy. Um ready with, like, a Rolodex of very not-funny, sarcastic quips for anybody who's interested or trying to speak to him. Anyway, I don't know. I don't, again, I don't really know what else to say about her, I, I, but I like her on the show. I don't know. I, I'm not, like, again, I'm not, like, riveted by her. I'm not, like, spellbound. She'll never reach my top five. But I just like her energy and I like her presence and she just brings this old school vibe to the show. I think the way she shares her life reminds me of an old school Real Housewife. And I think what she does is very brave. That, you know, the fact that her marriage is such a mess because there's so many people 
who do these shows and like try and create a character and she's just like living in her truth she's like i i hate my body i have arthritis and my husband sucks and that's me um shannon bedore what is there to say aside from the fact that fun shannon fun shannon bedore is back I'll tell you what I love about Shannon and what I think makes her the greatest housewife of this uh, of this franchise, maybe ever. Not of all time, but I'm saying like of OC. Let's not get crazy. Shannon Bedore, again, shares her life with the world in the most raw, honest, open, warts and all way. Which is why I feel like she is a Dorinda casting. Like she feels like She's been there since day one. She is honest with us about everything, and she always has been since day one. Um, I mean, do you remember Shannon's first season where she was, like, chasing the cameraman around Heather Dubrow's house and screaming, You will all know the truth! You will all know the truth! David! David! The truth! Like, just losing her shit. Sweaty. Wild-eyed. Um... And, and that's Shannon, like no regrets, warts and all. And I love that about her. In regards to the season, I think, I don't know, I think it feels really refreshing to see Shannon happy and comfortable in her body, not like hating herself and just like having fun again. Like her drunken nights no longer lead to her like crying in spanks in a hot tub or whatever. You know what I mean? She's like having sex and buying like fun sex toys and having surgical procedures done to her clit so that she has more intense orgasms. Like I'm proud of her. She's wearing ponytail weaves. Like she's feeling her oats and I love it. Um, Andy did say on Sirius XM um, maybe a week ago that, or actually it was on Jeff Lewis, that the casting for this upcoming season of, for next year is in his opinion, like some of the best casting they've ever done. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means that somebody leaves or somebody... I mean, there's a lot of rumor that Vicky's not going to be coming back and that she's fired. And, of course, we'll never know until, like, the day before. Um, it could also mean that an old housewife is returning. I would love that. Lord knows that OC has an, uh, an arsenal of just truly hundreds of women. Uh, no franchise has had more women than OC. I think it's hilarious. And not because the show's been on for so long. But because it is, as I always say, the Destiny's Child of uh, of Bravo. And lastly, I want to talk about the redheaded stepchild of Bravo, the Real Housewives of Dallas. And I'd actually like to start with Cameron, since Cameron um, worked so hard to orchestrate a decent season for us. It seems Cameron gave us our finale. I mean, thank we have Cameron to thank for that amazing finale. Uh, not only did she perfectly operate as a bone collector this year good for her uh, but as a very strategic one not a messy one not like a Sheree Whitfield style bone collector who will just tell everybody anything you know out of pure desperation to seem more involved in the show uh Cameron really held all of her information and then sat on it until the finale which I thought was amazing um I do think that Cam is also approaching her. I found my voice season. She's not quite there yet. I do think the embarrassment of having to watch herself cower to Leanne on TV may be enough to push her fully in that direction next year. Fingers crossed. Um, 
And I think I speak for most people when I say, like, Cam is is someone that I just, at the very beginning, I just didn't take seriously. Like, she was something to laugh at. Uh, I didn't think she'd make it past the first season. I thought that she had crafted this annoying character specifically for the show. And, you know, even worse, it's like this tired, played out, like, 2006, you know, Paris Hilton small dog, pink, airheaded bullshit, like, I was like, ugh, I'm not investing in this woman emotionally, but, you know, several years in, (laughs) oh, several years in, it turns out, um, that that is who she is, and, like, even in heated moments where she's, like, running away from the camera, she's still, she's still Cameron, um, and that's very fascinating, I just, I don't know. I've really come around to her a lot. It's taken me a long time. Like, everything in me wanted to, like, rebuke her. You know what I mean? I really wanted to, like, not accept her into my heart. But she's chiseled her way in. And uh, I'm excited to see what she brings next year. Brandy, I still very, very much enjoy and appreciate what she brings to the show. Um... She makes things light and fun, and she adds this, like, levity to the show that I think it really needs. I think her relationship with Stephanie is still one of the most true things on Bravo. I can honestly listen to them whisper talk to each other all day. With that being said, I'll tell you something that I have a very, very fucking hard time with, and that's misbehaving children. I hate me a little hellion. Ugh! I cannot stand watching a shitty child on TV be shitty. There's just something about seeing a kid who desperately needs discipline, just sort of gallivanting about and living in some sort of Dennis the Menace fantasy that makes my blood truly boil. It makes my skin itch. I think it's the Mrs. Trench Bowl of me. I'm like, somebody get that girl in the chokey now. Like, what is the holdup? I can't take it. <laughs> um... And Brandy pushes all my triggers because, you know, the only thing that I hate more than a disrespectful child on TV is a parent who has no clue how to discipline their own child. Oh, my God. Why? Why? Am I the only person who feels this way? It's infuriating to me. Your daughter is nine why are you knocking on her door? Why she, uh, I'm not even, you know what? I'm not even going to let myself get into it because I'll just get angry. I, I literally can't bear it. I, I hate, see, that's why like I never, I used to like hate watch like those nanny shows, like Nanny Rescue and Nanny 911 because I loved seeing somebody come in and like discipline a child and like turn them into a sweet angel. But also at the same time, it was like so triggering for me that I couldn't even sit through the beginning of it. Like seeing a child like, beat the shit out of adults and everybody just be like using weird like therapy terms and shit oh oh I can't do it anyway um speaking of I was just recently on Cara Berry's podcast everyone's business but mine if you haven't listened yet and we talked about Real Housewives of Dallas a little bit and she asked me uh how many times I think Brandy's daughter has poked her son with a pen and I'm like girl I don't know how to count that high you know what I mean like I don't know how to count to those numbers yet I never have um I just I just can't like I just think her daughters are little hellions that I I don't want to watch on tv I have no interest um 
Let's move on to Stephanie, my earth angel. I feel like Stephanie has been having her I'm finding my voice moment in small bits throughout the entirety of this series. Um, More and more since we were introduced to her, she's constantly evolving and growing and becoming more and more confident and, and, and sure of herself and who she is. And I feel like being forced to exist around Leanne has really actually done wonders for her confidence and her ability to see um her ability basically to express how she feels my heart beats for her it continues to beat for her she is my sweet sweet precious girl that i want to protect um i mentioned earlier that her relationship with brandy is one of the most pure things on bravo and i'm doubling down i want their summer spinoff show to be them just like planning sleepovers and whisper talking in their jammies and pulling whoopee cushion pranks on each other like truly dumb childish bullshit that i love to see from them let's move on to deandra um so before i knew it deandra had truly crept her way into my holy spirit as one of my favorite housewives she's fun and she's funny and she gets too drunk at parties which i adore she calls people out on their shit. She's tacky in the way that I would expect a Dallas housewife to be. Um, her relationship with her mom is fucking gripping and riveting. Jeremy is easily one of the hottest house husbands of all time. Like, oh my God, he can have as many pretty Jessicas as he wants. I don't care. I also love that he so comfortably takes a backseat to her and like jokes about how she's the breadwinner and like he is so comfortable in himself that he doesn't care i love me a confident man um i just i love her and i do feel like her friendship very similar to uh to cynthia and nini i do feel like her friendship dissolving with leanne is one of the greatest things that probably could have happened to her i think that it's it's positioned her as a person who will not be let go from the show um because before her entire identity was that she was leanne's friend and that she was the one who could calm leanne down and talk sense into leanne and tell her her hard truths and work leanne through all her rages and her fits and it's like now like we're seeing her navigate you know relationships and friendships with the other women her real personality is starting to come through i don't know if you remember at the beginning of the season or not the season but the series um during her first season leanne wouldn't allow her to be friends with brandy and stephanie because in her opinion they brought her down and she was a part of a different class system so she couldn't hang out with them um and it's fun to see her like build friendships with other people and open up and be able to have you know a reciprocated friendship that's back and forth and not just her talking her friend through her childhood carny drama um i don't really have a ton to say about carrie i think that she was actually a really great addition this year i think she's funny she's fun i think that she acclimated herself very well um she seemed to actually form like very genuine friendships with the girls she didn't take any of leanne's shit which i thought was amazing um i thought she really added to the season by holding her accountable for all the stuff that the other girls are afraid of saying to her um you know she really didn't back down from her and it was like really nice to see 
Speaking of Leanne, <laughs> Leanne, 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 where do we even start, gal? Um, easily one of the most blatantly unhinged, emotionally unstable, socially unaware women Bravo has maybe ever cast on the show. You don't really know whether you should love her or be repulsed by her or feel sorry for her or all three at the same time. Like, you just don't even know where to place her outside of just, like, full-on, like, clown territory. I felt like this season was really more of the same from her. She had temper tantrums and, you know, overshared about her childhood trauma, her carny trauma. Um, She acted as an emotional terrorist on the trips. (laughs) She burned bridges. All while, well, the biggest twist this year, all while wearing these, like, diamond encrusted fabric hair extensions um which gave me so much anxiety all I could think about was like wow you can't even run your fucking hands through your hair because you have it's it's full of diamond encrusted fabric strips like what what tacky homosexual got his hands on you and brainwashed you into thinking that your hair choices for the past few years have been okay weave cascading on the ground those crazy fishtail braids that have wires and shit in them. Like, who who is this evil, tacky homosexual? I simply must know. Um, she did, however, major twist this year, have not one, not two, but like eight instances of just being flat out fucking racist this season and having no remorse at all. If anything, she leaned in and unless Andy has some sort of, I don't know, disingenuous sit down with her where she apologizes and that's not likely to happen because I feel like Andy views Dallas as a back burner show. Like, I don't even think he would care enough to do that. Um, I don't see how she can stay on the show. I guess we do have to see how the reunion plays out, but like she still doesn't seem to understand that she did anything wrong. Like she leaned in and just flat out lied. I don't know. It was really, really bad. Um, But I also can't see a world where the show goes on without her because the whole thing orbits around her. She literally is the show. She's the planet in which the show orbits around. She's happy to be the one every single year who you know, all the drama revolves around. She loves being the villain. She's obviously really good at it. And the other women feel comfortable letting her take that fall every year because why would they not? If you think about it, since season one, none of the other women have really had, they've had like minor issues that they've had to address amongst each other. But Leanne has been the constant, like evil force throughout the show every single year. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes on if she's not allowed to come back. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Worse things have happened. I mean, Marlo had like an entire like homophobic rant to Sheree. Do you guys remember that? When Marlo told Sheree to go like keep shopping with those faggots. Like she literally said that to her on camera. And she's still around being acting as the voice of reason or whatever, like a fucking fairy godmother. Anyway, I think that ends my Real Housewives rant. I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to do something fun and light for Christmas. 
Also, by the way, there are men outside, like, literally digging pipes out of my yard right in front of my window. So I'm sure you've heard them the entire time, or at least kind of towards the end, they're getting really close. So I need to stop recording now anyway. But um, I love you guys. I hope that your Christmas was good. Um, I'm going to... I am going to release the part five of Jay-Z and Beyonce um, for next week. So it'll come out around New Year's. You'll have something fun to listen to while you put on fake eyelashes and uh, run out and buy champagne to post for boomerangs. (laughs) But I love you guys. Um, I'll see you next week. I hope that you enjoyed this and uh, bye. Thank you for listening to The Smush Room, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. Also, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos for more information on this show and other Patreon-exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady. That's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.